Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin. Today, we're talking about body language and the important role your nonverbal communication plays in your career with Richard Newman. Richard is the founder of Body Talk, and over the past 23 years, he and his team have trained over 120,000 business leaders around the world to improve their communication and impact, including one client who gained over a billion dollars in new business in just one year using the strategies that Richard teaches. Richard is sharing those same body language strategies with us today, including the one word you need to keep in mind before your next big work meeting or job interview. And now this is the Career Contestant Podcast. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks very much, Lauren, for having me on. Okay, so give us a brief introduction about yourself and what led you to create Body Talk. So the story begins when I was four years old. Uh, so essentially, I was going to school uh, had a group of friends enjoying everything. And then just before my fifth birthday, my parents moved house. And so I, I moved to this new area and I was, I was, I remember feeling quite excited about this first day at a new school and going in there and thinking, wow, what's going to happen. And then my next memory of the day is later that day where I was sitting at a table, like a kindergarten table, you know, there's tiny tables, tiny chairs. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to talk to the kids next to me and I just couldn't engage them in conversation and they were just turning away and giggling. And I tried the kids on the other side and they turned away and giggled. And I suddenly started to think, hang on a second, what, what is wrong with me here? Why can't I engage in conversation with people? And I did what any, you know, four going on five-year-old might do. I just burst into tears. But that sort of that thought stayed with me for, for many years later, just a perception of, is there something that I'm doing in communication that is a slight disconnect? And, you know, for many people, it might have just been, you know, a bad first day at school. But what for, for me, I realized later on, I was very shy as a child. I later on worked out, I'm very highly introverted. So on that introvert, extrovert spectrum, I'm right up the far end of introvert. And it was only last year that I got diagnosed as being autistic. And what that means for me, it means different things for different people. But what it means for me is that the way I see communication, the way I interact with people, my instincts around that are different to other people. So I can interact really well with somebody else who is 
sort of similar in their autistic uh, tendencies to me, but with a neurotypical person, I have to figure it out and there's more of a process. And so I started to work this out for myself in my late teenage years. And so I started to read books on communication, body language, tone of voice, breathing, stage presence, all these different things. And in the period of about five to maybe seven or eight years, I read about 200 books in the area of communication. And I also uh, decided that I would do something different to my friends. My friends went off to university and I went to instead to go to India, where I went to the foothills of the Himalayas and I was living in a Tibetan monastery with a group of Tibetan monks, teaching English to them for six months. And the big challenge being when I got there, they didn't speak any English and I didn't speak their language either. So we had to use body language to connect, just to communicate non-verbally with each other. And by the end of six months of doing that, they could speak a good conversation in English. And I'd learned how to speak Nepali, which was the easiest language to learn that they knew. Uh, so I came out to the UK fascinated by that. I then studied acting for three years, at a brilliant London acting school, learning about how to sit, stand, move, breathe and walk in a way that would connect with an audience and impact other people on the stage. And then I, I buy a hobby. I just set up my, my company, Body Talk, and it grew to, without me realizing it, it sort of kept on growing. And now there's a team of 20 of us, and we've trained about 120,000 people around the world. And along the way, I published my own unique research on body language and how it can help people universally. Wow. That is to the so fascinating. Yeah, no, I love it. It's, it's so fascinating. And obviously many of us aren't going to go live with the monks. So this is like, you know, we're learning from someone who literally has been there and done that, which I feel like a lot of public speaking coaches or body language experts, like they don't have this type of background, you know? So that's really, really cool. You know, we're talking about body language in the context of work. And obviously there's, there's life. I mean, it helps you in life as well, but how important is your body language really? Like for someone who's feeling like, I don't know, I've really never paid attention to my body language, or maybe I've thought about it a little bit in, in an interview where I'm like, don't forget to smile. But otherwise I kind of turn that off. How important is body language really? So uh, the simplest way to answer this is, first of all, there's studies out there that people may have heard of, which are often misquoted or sort of talked about in the wrong way. So some people may have heard about the study that was done by Albert Morabian back in the late 1960s, which he did in California, actually. Uh, it was just, it was a very small localized study. And out of it came these results that's where people say 93% of communication is nonverbal. And actually what he did in the study, it was so small, it was so localized, it's very difficult to extrapolate that kind of meaning from the study. And he even said on a BBC radio interview around uh, 2010, uh, he said, look, it's been overblown from what I originally meant. And so if we look at it from another perspective, if you look at, for example, Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, in that book, and he is a Nobel Prize winner on economics, he really cares about how do we make decisions. And what he has found in there is we've got this emotional part of our mind and this logical part of our mind. And the emotional part of your mind will make a decision about a person or something that, that you see around you in your environment 
way before the illogical mind does. The emotional mind says, this is how I feel about this person, and then hands a memo to the logical part of your mind and says, please give me reasons to hire this person, or please give me reasons not to hire this person. So uh, imagine it like this. Imagine somebody comes into the room for, for an interview, and the emotional part of the mind, for whatever reason, they see the person's nonverbal behavior, and the emotional part of the mind says, I like this person. Give me logical reasons to hire them. And they would leave that meeting. They say to their boss, we should hire this person because uh, the, the reason being they've got a really different perspective than anybody else who works at our organization. And I think they're just going to be sort of fresh and original in their approach. Whereas if you have the different interaction, imagine that the emotional interaction of the person who is doing an interview, the first thing they see when someone walks through the door, they, they dislike their nonverbal behavior in some way. The emotional part of the mind sends a signal up to the logical part of the mind saying, give me reasons not to, uh, not to hire this person. And so what will happen is same person do, does the same interview and they go and speak to their boss and they say, this person, they, they just came up with all these sort of fresh ideas that were really original. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they don't know what we're doing here. And so they just take the same thing and slant it differently. So it is incredibly important to think about what is the presence that you want to have? What is the impact that you want to have? And think about, you know, universally, are there elements that you can take on board that anybody can use that work in every situation? And answering this question, this is what led me to build my uh, research project that we did in 2016, which was published in the Journal of Psychology, where we looked at seeing, you know, with this work uh, worldwide for men and women of all different ages, are there certain things that we can all do that improve our ratings? And what we found is that you can be the same person wearing the same clothes, saying the same words, but you make a slight change in your nonverbal behavior and you can get a 59% increase in the number of people who would vote for you in an election. You can get a 42% increase in the number of people who are convinced by what you're saying and you're the same person. You haven't changed anything about you and it works for men and women, older, younger, lighter skin, darker skin, no matter where we tested it around the world. So, uh, yeah, I, I found through my work that it is incredibly important to think about what you're doing non-verbally. Don't just think about what, is, what have I got on my CV? Have I got the best, best product, the best service and so on? You've really got to think about that non-verbal presence and what impact that will make on someone who is going to make what will be an emotional based decision about you. Yes. What's a game where no one wins? The waiting game. When it comes to hiring, don't wait for great talent to find you. Find them first with Indeed. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. One of the things I personally love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because it has amazing candidate screening tools and a large talent pool. Plus, did you know that candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search? That's according to US Indeed data. Indeed gets you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates. That's right. Indeed does the hard work for you by showing you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. 
Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring platform, delivering four times more hires than all the other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash Contessa. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash Contessa. Just go to indeed.com slash Contessa and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Contessa. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Erica. We're the hosts of A Thing or Two. We are professional enthusiasts constantly on the hunt for the products, books, and trends that should be on your radar. And we share them with you every Monday, whether it's marinated olive oil that we're putting on everything, a deep dive on pillows, or the fact that suddenly gas stoves are on everyone's outlist for 2023. We challenge the friends we invite on the show to bring their own favorite thingies too. Like when Ellen Van Dusen spilled about the IG account that's keeping her current with the youths. We also love a gift guide. We take listener questions, Dear Abby style, and tell you what to get your vegan minimalist coworker or your sister-in-law who loves to hunt. So be sure to listen and follow A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so you mentioned there's a couple behaviors. What are these behaviors that we can do to our nonverbal communication styles that really makes a huge impact? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so, so I sort of looked at this with the premise of your CV gets you through the door, but your nonverbal behavior gets you the job, essentially. And so what we looked at in this study originally, when I went to uh, Professor Adrian Furnham, he's one of the top psychologists in the world alive today. He's published over a thousand research papers on the field of nonverbal communication and influence. And I went to him and I said, look, I want to study everything. And he said, that's way too big and it cannot be done. The reason it hasn't been done is it cannot be done. So we worked on the design <laughs> of this study for about 18 months to put it together and then created one of the largest studies that's ever been done in, in this field. And so what we looked at specifically was uh, two major areas, which was related to posture and gestures. So we could really pin it down to various things. We also looked to sort of leg positioning. If you're standing up, let's say you're doing a job interview and you have to do a presentation as part of it. You know, how do you present yourself when you're standing up and what does that mean? And so first couple of things to look at, if we look at posture, first of all, which is, I've always been fascinated by this because it's an instant way to think about your presence. And it's something that I learned about when I was playing basketball as a kid. I remember once that um, my basketball coach, I was about to take a free throw and he just pushed me over. And I said, I said, what are you doing? He said, I knew you're going to do a bad free throw because I can push you over. You need to have balance. You need to be centered. You need to be grounded. And if you look at all great athletes, when they're about to do something important, they get grounded and centered. And I thought, huh, I wonder if that translates into communication. And so I remember when I was working as an actor that, you know, brilliant uh, directors I was working with would coach, would coach me on how I was standing, even if I wasn't saying something. I'd say, look, that guy's doing the line. I, what, I'm just sitting here on this chair. He said, but you've got to think about the posture because that tells people something. Anyway, so we put this into this study. And what we found is that if you look at what most people do day to day, most people are sitting or standing in a way that is called anti-gravitas or, or what we sometimes call the off-center shuffle. So when people sit or stand, they're often sort of leaning off to one side. They've got the weights going onto one hip or across onto the other hip. And because we can't bear that amount of weight for a long period of time, they then end up swaying from side to side. You see people standing up doing this as well in, in, a, in a hallway if they're speaking to their friends or colleagues, they're just sort of bouncing from one hip 
across to the other. And when they're doing that, at all times, they are a pushover because at all times, if you gave them a quick nudge, they'd fall over. And so gravity is working against them. And so what we looked at in this study is, well, what about if you get people to stand in a position or sit in a position where gravity is going straight down on their posture? So they're not, they're not sort of pushing themselves forward. They're not leaning back. They're not sort of arrogantly posing in these power poses that some people have heard about. They're just naturally lifted. So gravity's going straight down, giving them that sense of gravitas. Uh, and suddenly, when you make that shift across there, you, uh, you get a much more favorable reaction from people universally, worldwide, no matter what age that person is, no matter what gender that person is, you get a universally improved reaction. And what you're getting there is that they recognize that you physically have more gravitas. And so when you speak to them, they are much more likely to pay attention. As an addition to that, it's like a little sneaky extra piece you can put in there. And I used this once for a sales pitch and I was mesmerized by how effective it was, is that to enhance your posture slightly, you can lift your sternum, but you've just got to lift it slightly as if you've been inspired. So when people get inspired, what we notice is that they breathe in and slightly lift their sternum. So imagine I was speaking to you, I was feeling inspired, I'd go, I just suddenly pause, I breathe in, I lift the sternum and people around you will look at you like, what, what is it you got to say? I remember doing this in a sales pitch because the sales pitch was not going well. And I was just there, just <laughs> slightly hunched over, just sort of looking down at my notes, thinking I really wanted to win this one. I thought, hang on a second, you know, practice what you preach. And I just sort of lifted up my posture. And I thought, okay, I've got to lift my stern too. And I did this little breath in and lifted my sternum and eyes suddenly went on me like, what is it, Richard? Have you got something really good to say that could turn this around? And I thought, think of something to say. And so I thought <laughs> yeah. of something to say. And then, you know, managed to turn it back around. I did end up winning that deal in one regard. So, so having, having that posture in a position, this works, by the way, also for virtual uh, communication too. So you want to make sure that you are upright. A good way to do this for people is to make sure that you've got your webcam. The good way to measure it is you measure the, the height from the webcam down to the desk and the height of your eyes to the desk, you want to have that the same because then you can have good posture yes. uh, when you're on screen with people. Otherwise, you're sort of hunched over or you're sort of staring up at the ceiling as some people do. So that's, so that's a nice way to put it. The second piece that we looked at in our study was around gestures. Now, I've always been fascinated about this because you know, running a company called Body Talk, over the years, people come up to me and they talk to me about body language. And one thing that's been so common is people will say to me, Richard, what should I do with my hands? And uh, I always find it quite funny because it's not like day to day they have a problem with their hands. They, they don't go up to their friends in a bar on Thursday night and say, guys, I just can't figure out what to do with my hands. What do I do with them? Like We know what to do with our hands, but when we get self-conscious about it, we suddenly think, what have I been doing with these for the last 30 years? I don't know what to do. So, so it's a good idea to know a couple of things you can do consciously that get you back into your rhythm. Uh, and this I think of, if you think about the game of tennis, you can't win the game of tennis unless you know forehand, backhand, serve, and volley. Those are the things that you've got to have as a core part of your game. Same goes with gestures. There's a couple of core pieces. So if we look at palms up versus palms down, and we did this in our study, we looked at people who don't gesture at all, people who have their hands rested together, if you like, rested by their sides. And then we looked at people who gesture with a variety of palms up, palms down, or doing both. Now, what we found is if you don't gesture at all, then your, all of your ratings go down. You're less confident, you're less charismatic, you're less attractive, They're, all the ratings are going down. If you gesture, if you do small gestures, this was the funny one, this was the worst rating you can get. So some people are really self-conscious about gesturing. So let's say that they are across a table from someone, they'll gesture, but their gestures are actually under the table. 
which sort of looks a yeah. bit weird. People are thinking, what are you doing under the table there? Or if they're standing, they're doing the gestures below waist height. So they're sort of thinking, I suppose I should gesture, but I really don't want to. And that was, that was the worst one that we looked at. Whereas if the only gesture you do is palms up, and it needs to be between your shoulders and your waist and slightly away from the body, then suddenly all of your ratings go up. You're more confident, you're a better leader and so on. If the only gesture you do is palms down, so palms facing towards the floor, between shoulder and waist height, and the reason that's important, if you go too high, you look like you're being overdramatic, jazz hands. If you go too low, it looks too flat, but between shoulder and waist is where you wanna be. Palms down, all of your ratings go up. But the most effective uh, ratings we got, and this was universal, was that if you use palms up for open statements, such as, thank you so much, for having me here for this meeting today, or I'd love to tell you about what happened on this last project I was doing, palms up, it's very open and engaging, palms down for strong closed statements, such as if I work here with you, if you, go, if you agree to go ahead, I will be the hardest working person you've ever had here, or I would love to get the decision from you by Friday at 2 p.m., palms down, strong statements. If you're congruent in what you're doing there, and congruency is something that I learned by living with monks who couldn't understand my words, my body language had to be congruent with what I was doing. So like, for example, if I was teaching them the word excited, if I didn't look excited and sound excited, they had no idea what I was doing. So I had to be totally congruent. If you're congruent day to day, then suddenly it feels really charismatic because your body language, your tone of voice, your words, they're all going in one direction. And people find that that's very exciting for them visually and vocally. So putting those pieces together, thinking about the posture, elevating yourself, thinking about gesturing. And if you have a webcam, make sure that you can gesture uh, on camera to get that sort of visual engagement as well. Then all of these things can elevate uh, your impact. But, but importantly, you don't wanna be in a place where you think, ah, oh, they've just asked me a question, which sort of gesture should I do? Posture is up, gestures are out. Like it, yeah. it, can't be, it can't be wooden. These are things to have in the back of your mind where, you know, much like when I was learning tennis, I'd learned how to do a forehand. I'd go to the car park, there was a line painted along the wall of the back of the tennis club. And I just hit a thousand forehands just so I could get it right. So when I was in a game, I wasn't thinking about the forehand. I was just thinking, hit the ball. So the same goes with, you know, all these different pieces. You, you want to make sure that you've practiced them enough that you think I can just do it without even thinking about it. And then, you know, allow my personality to come through in the rest of my uh, communication. I love that. And it's, it's funny because there are a lot of people out there who will say, I talk with my hands too much. And so they think that talking with their hands is not a good thing. So they're always trying to remind themselves not to, but this advice actually proves the opposite. Talk with your hands, just up yeah. when you're starting and you're excited down when you're ready to close the deal. I think that's fantastic. I was also thinking so many of us have to attend meetings where we're slunched over or like we just, our whole body language shows that we don't want to be there. A good way to practice this is like as the participant, you know, just being a more, you know, looking like you're more alive <laughs> on the yeah. meeting as a participant, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I talk about, you know, start the car. So what I mean is when you start talking, if you're in a meeting, just find a reason to speak and then just, just gesture as soon as you start speaking and then your body goes, Oh, I gestured and everyone gave me a good reaction. Great. Okay. I'll, I'll do that again. But to add to what you just said with the gestures, because people do get self-conscious on this, there's two really good studies to give people reassurance. One was done by Susan Golden Meadow at the University of Chicago, where she found that they, they did this study with mathematicians 
and uh, they they uh, they gave them the, an exam where they were asking them to just answer out loud rather than write the answers down. And they said to half of them, sit on your hands, and the other half of them were, were encouraged to gesture as they answered. And the ones who were encouraged to gesture got the higher scores, and the ones who sat on their hands were suddenly getting lower scores. And what they worked out is there's so many nerve endings going from your hands to your brain that when you gesture, it speeds up cognitive processing and you give more intelligent answers. The second thing to think about is TED Talks. There was a nice study done on TED Talks. There's so many TED Talks done now, loads of them are on the same subject. And this study was done where they looked at people who spoke on exactly the same subject, which one was getting more views than the other. And they found this consistently that the people who were getting the most views had twice as many physical gestures than the people who were getting the least views. So it's just, you know, reassurance for people. Gestures are a good thing. Many of you know that I'm a working mom of two under two. So that means anytime I can travel, it's a really big deal. And when I travel, it's important for me to stick to my routines of moving, eating, and sleeping well for me and my family. Our sponsor, Weston, makes it easy to stay well while traveling. With over 200 destinations around the world, Weston Hotels makes it possible for you to keep up with your wellness routine while traveling. At Weston, you can work out how you want with a variety of fitness options to keep your wellness routine on track while you're away. You can maintain your focus in Weston's workout fitness studios. They're equipped with state-of-the-art equipment, or you can get moving on a group run led by Weston's Run Concierge, a running guide and buddy who makes it easy for you to explore the local areas. Weston has three and five mile scenic running maps that make it easy for you to find the best route to explore on foot. And if you prefer to do your own thing, feel free to use workout and recovery gear available on demand through Weston's gear lending program. I actually did this because I went to Seattle once and I totally forgot all my exercise stuff. And I was really lucky. I was staying at a Weston because they just literally dropped off the gear at my door. It was amazing. And at Weston, you can eat well too with the Weston eat well menu. It's designed with foods that make sure you meet your nutritional needs. So you can choose what's right for you based on your desired portion size and nutritional balance. Weston makes it easier for you to continue nourishing your health no matter the destination. I always find this really important because I feel like when I travel, I get so far off my routine and I kind of feel really blah. And sometimes it's the drinks and the food and all that adding up. And I love that at Weston, you don't have to worry about that because it's basically taking your routine with you. And at the end of the day, you can sleep well at Weston as well. You can recharge your body and mind with restorative sleep in Weston's renowned heavenly bed, which just so you guys know, as a parent of two under two, the idea of being able to sleep in and sleep in an amazing bed is like probably the best thing ever right now. They even include a sleep well lavender balm, which eases tension and helps you drift to sleep. This is something that I know sounds really small, but it really does help you disconnect from your day and be able to sleep. And again, for anyone with little kids, you understand why this is maybe the best part of any vacation if you can sleep well, and then hopefully they'll also let you sleep in. Weston Hotels and Resorts is part of Marriott Bonvoy, an extraordinary portfolio of hotel brands and an award-winning travel program. At Weston Hotels, there's amenities and offerings aimed to help you move well, eat well, and sleep well, so you can keep your well-being close while away. Find wellness on your next day at Weston. Okay, so body language at work, we've got gestures, we've got posture. I've also heard plenty of people talk about how it's really important to give a firm handshake. I, I would assume your research probably shows the handshake, making eye contact, right? These are all nonverbal communication cues that are yeah. really important. What are the, you know, if you could summarize the big ones that you want to remind, remember before you go in for that big meeting or that interview, what would you say? 
So one of my favorite pieces of advice to people is like what you've just said there is, you know, a standard, straightforward, good advice, no, no question. The key piece that I would say to people is ride the ocean. Now, what do I mean by this? I mean, you're in California, so you're used to seeing, you know, people out there surfing on the waves. So imagine someone who's learning how to surf and they're, they're on the beach, they've got their surfboard there and they're learning how to pop up and they're learning how to ride the waves, but they're just doing it on the sand. They're thinking, great, great, great. When I get out there, this is what I'm going to do. And so imagine that they've prepared themselves to go out and ride a choppy ocean. And then they, they get on the board, they paddle out there and they pop up wanting to ride this ocean and it's dead still. You know, you have to ride the ocean that you're given. The same goes with an interview. Let's imagine that you've decided, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be so engaging. I'm going to motivate this person. I'm going to make them laugh. And you go in there and that person, you know, they clearly look like they have just had to lay off 20% of their staff. It's the worst quarter ever. And their dogs just died. And you go in going, yeah, I'm going to motivate this person. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to ride the ocean. And so what I mean by that is that you must be able to adapt your style to the needs of the person that you're with. And so before you go in a room, you can think about getting your mindset right so that you feel centered within yourself. You feel a sense of strong self-belief. And there's many techniques I can talk about around that. When you go into the room, you need to focus not inwards, but outwards. It should always be about who is this person that I'm meeting right now and what do they need from me and how do I adapt my style towards who they are and how they feel. And so, you know, this is something that you know, great salespeople will do. And, you know, others will say, well, how, how are you doing it? Like, write it down for me. And they'll say, well, no, I'm just adapting to who that person is. I'm really getting to know them and understanding their needs from me right now. So I would always say, focus outwards. And, you know, one of the ways that I learned to do this physically, which people may have learned about from back in the 1970s, it was talked about in NLP, and then it got into sales training in the 1980s, 1990s, which was matching and mirroring which was used by some people as a, like a manipulation technique, like, oh, he's folded his arms. I'm going to fold my arms. He scratched his head. I'm going to scratch <laughs> my head. And by doing that, the person would think, oh, they're like me. And therefore I want to give them work. Now, you know, I, I, I will say to people, move away from the idea of manipulation, but just think about it like this. My definition of rapport is non-verbally traveling together. That's where you want to be. And so to get there, you know, if you're high energy frenetic and the other person is sort of dead still and calm, then you're not going to be non-verbally traveling together. So there's a matter of figuring out, well, where is this person right now? And then let's see if we can travel together non-verbally in what we're doing sort of uh, physically and sort of how we engage in that conversation. So that for me is always the key. And there's loads of, you know, technical specifics around how to do that. But that is the one big thing. Who is the person in front of you? What do they need? You can still be yourself at your core, but adapt to that person so they feel seen, they see it, they feel heard, they feel a sense of you're the kind of person they can work with because you you understand them in a way that other people don't. It's funny you say that. I recently put something on Instagram and it was about if you're not, if you're getting interviews and you're not getting the offer, a lot of times people think, oh, I must have messed up with the answer. My resume wasn't the right experience. And I always tell people, I'm like, you, you need to be more focused on how you're making the interviewer feel. Yeah. I've seen so many interviews go south, not because they don't have the skills or the education, like everything about them is perfect, but they didn't make the interviewer feel like they were the most important person, right? Or that I'm here to solve your problems, your challenges. Sometimes people in interviews, this happens a lot where it comes across as like, we owe you the job versus like you're coming in to help solve our problems. So I love that you said that just because it is part of the interview process and the preparation is yes, having, you know, those smart answers and, and thinking about it, but also riding the ocean and really adapting and making sure that they feel like they're 
the person that you are tailoring your advice and content for. And I think that Mm. is at the end of the day, again, it's humans making decisions about humans and we're emotional and like take this advice or not, but it works, you know? And I, I think that, and as a recruiter, I've seen this happen so many times to your point, like hiring managers will come back to the room at the end and they'll talk about a candidate. And I'm, I think for sure they're going to hire this person because, you know, they have the right MBA and this and that, yada, yada. And they go for the other person, you know, and I've yeah. seen it and it, it, it truly does happen. I want to switch gears a little bit just to talk about influence, because I know that obviously body language plays a big part in uh, influence as well. What's the one secret that transforms your influence in every situation so that you can inspire, motivate and lead people? So so to come back to what you said there, and I agree 100% with what you said about thinking about how the other person feels. If you think about, if you want to be successful in an interview, if you want to be successful on a date, if you want to be successful in, in a sales pitch, then I would suggest everybody focuses on one word, which is lift, lift. So what does lift mean? If you think about the, the state that the person is in before you have the interaction with them, whether they're in a negative, neutral, or positive state, if you, through that interaction, you can shift them from a negative to a neutral, positive, or more positive state. If you shift them up that scale, they feel lifted by that interaction. Then they're going to walk away going, I want to spend more time with that person. Like, I mean, right. how, can I get a subscription from get them? them back can I, can I order here. this yeah. every month? Yeah. <laughs> I want this person to keep on coming back here because they've enjoyed that interaction, that experience. And importantly, sometimes as a leader, giving people that sense of lift, it doesn't always mean that they're going to leave the interaction smiling. It could mean that the person leaves feeling concerned or slightly disappointed in themselves such that they feel more motivated to work harder next quarter. So there's there's a lift of energy that takes place in that experience. And that comes through having a connection with that person, having an intention towards them where you think, uh, I care about how you feel. And by the end of this interaction, I'm going to do whatever I can to move you to a place that is a more effective feeling. So uh, I'll talk, for example, about I've hired uh, you know a lot of people uh, in my business uh, over the the years. And uh, just recently, I was looking for a, a PA. And I, I got down to sort of the final few people. And the person who I decided to uh, hire in the end, during the interview, it, it was a really interesting process. She didn't sit down. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. And she, she was just like, okay, you've got things to do. Let's just crack on and talk about it. Like, let's, let's sort of uh, go around. Let me, let me see in your office. What do you need doing? Where are the things? Can I get out a measuring tape? Let me sort of sort things out for you. And I was like, this is a really practical person. This is, this is somebody I want to, I need a practical thinker. This, I, I haven't seen that approach ever in an interview, but I just thought that's the kind of person that I want to work with. So I felt lifted. I thought everything is now possible. All this mounting pile of stuff I thought I would never get done suddenly now feels like it's going to be possible. So focusing on that word lift, and it should never be a sense of, because I've seen this done back in the day, again, sort of silly sales tactics where I knew a couple of guys who, whenever they went in to do a sales pitch, they would always take in a birthday cake and they would always pretend that it was one of their birthdays. And they'd say, hi guys, ah, uh, sorry to do this. We've got a birthday cake here because it's Bob's birthday today. So do, do you want to have a pizza birthday cake? And they're doing that to try and give people a sugar rush during the sales pitch. That's not <laughs> what it is. What we're all actually craving these days is a genuine human connection because too much of our interactions are surface level transactional. You know, whether you're going to a coffee shop or you see a colleague at the office, it's too much of it is transactional. What we want is to move from transactional down to an emotional connection. And then if you get to the lower level, that sense of motive, drive, instinct around, you know, what we really care about in life. If you can connect from that place, the person 100% will want to 
Uh, they'll like you. They'll trust you. They'll want to do business with you. I love it. Well, Richard, these are amazing tips. I feel like just, just like thinking about your posture will change someone's work day. Thinking about when you go into an interview, the goal is to lift them up and to make them feel more positive when they leave. I mean, these are really transformational tips that you're sharing and we could all absolutely use the reminder from time to time also with our body language to pay attention to it. So share with people where they can learn more about you, find your book and tell them about your book, Lift Your Impact. Oh yeah. Great. Uh, so yeah, I've got this new book. It came out last month called Lift Your Impact. So I'm very proud about and the reason I created this book is that, you know, some of the workshops we do or to book me as a speaker, it could be expensive. And so I wanted to make sure that every single person could get their hands on the very best of the best techniques that we would teach to our clients worldwide. So I packed them all into this book, Lift Your Impact, which has in there uh, details about how to lift your mindset, first of all, then how do you lift your influence when you're in the room? And then how do you transform your future? Uh, so that's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and so on. And if anyone wants to do a bulk order, they can get in touch with me and we can get it uh, at a big discount. So we can do that. And if people want to find, uh, first of all, if you want to like a free download of some of the book, if you go to liftyourimpact.com forward slash the book, at the bottom of that page, there's a contact form and you can fill it out and get the first 25 pages uh, for free. Uh, beyond that, people can find me on uh, Instagram. I'm at Richard Newman Speaks. I'm also on LinkedIn uh, and I'm sharing sort of uh, different bits of inspiration on in Instagram and LinkedIn every few days. So on LinkedIn, Richard Newman from Body Talk. And lastly, if people want to know more about my company, it's ukbodytalk.com. Amazing. We're going to put links to all of that, including the free, the book page that you mentioned so people can get that free download. I love that you're doing that. I think this is one of those books where I wish book club was a thing at every company. And I hope managers, if you haven't started doing this, like start your little book club, <laughs> it's not little, yeah. but like start the book club, like do this kind of stuff because people love it. And it's like some of the best, you know, personal and professional development you can do. So Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Don't forget to rate and review our show. We love reading your reviews and all those ratings really do help our show get in front of new listeners. Plus, you can take a screenshot of you listening to this episode right now and then share it on Instagram by tagging at Career Contessa so that we can reshare it too. Lastly, grab a copy of Richard's new book, Lift Your Impact via our show notes. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.